This is loudspeaker. Hi, and welcome to Connecting a Better World, where we spend time meeting some of the most incredible human beings who make this world a better place. We will learn how each individual took their ideas, mission, and purpose to create and serve others in business and organizations that surround social good, social entrepreneurship, and social impact, and find out how we, together, can further connect others to help. I am your host, Dr. Natalie Phillips. On an average day in Colorado, 11 children or teens enter foster care because their parents need time to learn new skills to become the parents their children need them to be. When children age out of the system at 18 without a family, they are significantly more likely to experience homelessness, unplanned pregnancy, incarceration, sex trafficking, mental health issues, poverty, addiction, dropping out of school, suicide, and losing their own kids to foster care. Today, I will be talking with Tracy Red, director of Colorado Kids Belong. Colorado Kids Belong first started here in Colorado and grew nationwide to America Kids Belong, an organization focused on changing the outcome and experience in foster care. I am super excited to introduce Tracy Red, um, also because she's here in Colorado, and um, I'm really excited for her to share her story and what she does. It has been truly amazing to get to know her. So Tracy, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to start off with just kind of getting more introduced to you. So tell me a little bit more about your story and just who you are, first of all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I grew up here in Colorado, Colorado native. There's not very many of us these days, it feels like. Um, Grew up in Longmont and then went off to college and kind of kept moving east for a while. Um, Eventually, after college, I I got involved in working in war-torn countries um, and leading some internship programs and stuff and spent some time in um, Kosovo and in Afghanistan and eventually ended up back here in Colorado. Um, Kind of, I was at a point where I was like, kind of just asking God what was next because of a collision of different events in my life. And I felt like he was like, where do you want to be? And I was like, well, my family's in Colorado. I want to go back there. Mm -hmm. So I came back to Colorado in about 2008. um, And I was in my early thirties at that point. And I met my husband online. Um, we were both, we got a free weekend, each of us. <laughs> we happened to be on there the same weekend and we met um, and got married a year and a half later and I got a package deal. Um, I, he has two kids, so they became my kids also. And um, yeah, we have been in kind of Northern Colorado since then and I've done various work and it was about, um, 2000, I don't know, about five years ago, um, that my brother, this is kind of leading into what I, the work I do now, um, my brother had had a meeting with somebody and then he was telling me about what he had learned, that there was a foster care crisis 
um, across the nation and specifically here in Colorado. And I was clueless. I mean, I knew there was such a thing as foster care. And I had worked in other parts of the world and been in various orphanages and stuff like that. But when all of a sudden I realized there were kids right here in Colorado who weren't getting adopted and needed adopted and they were aging out of foster care, it just got, I mean, it broke my heart and then it got in my head and it felt like for weeks and then months, I couldn't stop thinking about it um, and decided that I needed to figure out a way to be a part of changing that and helping um, find a solution for that. And so started doing some research and some networking. Um, and eventually I got to a point where I was about ready to start my own nonprofit. And then through some of my networking, I was like, I don't need to reinvent the wheel. How about I just partner with other people that are doing good stuff? So I contacted America's Kids Belong, um, an organization that right, right around that same time they were launching nationwide. It had started here in Northern Colorado. Um, and it just said, how can I volunteer? So I started volunteering. And then last year, in December, I became the director of our local state chapter, Colorado Kids Belong. So that's a little bit of um, landing there in the work that I'm doing. Yeah, and, and we'll get to the work that you're doing with Colorado Kids Belong because I think it's really important work. Um, but, you know, I kind of want to go back to just like you growing up and um, just who you're around. Did you have a certain like role model in your life that, um, you know, mm -hmm. gave, that you can think of that gave you this like service heart or wanting to give back? Was there somebody in your life that you had that you looked up to? I had lots of people to look up to. Um, I, my mom and I were just reminiscing the other day about how there were several people in our church um, when my parents were a young couple, several older couples that kind of took my parents under their wing and therefore took me under their wing. I'm the oldest of my siblings. And we were laughing about the little church ladies that would come and see my choir performances and stuff like that. I was just surrounded by lots of good people. Um, my parents definitely are people that model just um, humble servant hearts. Um, and then I had an awesome youth pastor that became one of my mentors even after high school. Um, throughout the years, he's somebody that I would call when I was trying to make big decisions and stuff. And um, he just always encouraged me to, like one time I was, I was in this, <laughs> this funky spot in my life and pretty frustrated, like things that I had thought um, where my life was going and things fell apart at one point when I'd been working overseas. I'd gotten really sick and I I went and stayed at his home. They they live in Missouri now and um, was just letting him like ask me questions and helping me work through some things. And he said, you know what I think you need to do is you need to just go hold some babies. <laughs> I was like, what? He's like, some babies that have nobody to care for them. And um, just the idea of not focusing on myself and my own stuff, but go do something that I get nothing, like is just completely selfless. Yeah. Go love on, not specifically babies, but anybody, but he used that as an example. And I feel like that's kind of been his, his direction that he's pointed me over the years is to just 
focus on other people. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great idea, too. And I think that what he had was right. I mean, just to go hold some babies because it brings a lot of joy to people. Now, of course, the people that don't like to hold babies, it won't, you know, but at the same time, it's such a simple um, thing to think about, right, is is go do something that makes you happy. You know, I know that a lot of people that um, say that they're going to retire and like what they would do is deliver um, flowers because you get to see and be around people that are happy and they get like this gift all the time, right? And it seems like such a simple thought, but it is something that, you know, I feel like uh, people strive in life to do is, you know, even if you might not have a certain uh, job that you're at that um, always brings you that happiness, just to pause and to remind yourself, go do something that makes you happy then. I mean, honestly, right? It seems like such simple advice. So I love, I love that you had, it sounds like so many wonderful people around, um, you know, which kind of, you know, leads to, you know, with Colorado Kids Belong, um, you know, I know that it, the focus of it is to try to change the outcome and the experience of people um, going through foster care, whether it's the kids or the um, parents who are looking at going into foster care. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, how did you decide to just lead with your heart there, you know, and be in that space? Mm -hmm. Well, um, so partly when I had realized that kids were aging out of foster care, one of the programs that I had been researching and trying to figure out how to do was figure out how to help those young adults with housing and jobs and stuff like that. And then I realized when I started to connect with America's Kids Belong that they're working way upstream from that. Um, Of course, I don't want to see kids aging out of foster care because the statistics are crazy Mm -hmm. that they end up being the people that end up incarcerated, homeless, um, committing Mm -hmm. suicide. Their own kids end up in foster care. Like it's just a horrible cycle. But the fact that we can tackle the issue way upstream Um, That got my attention when I was like, okay, if we can help create strong, stable, loving foster families, more of those so that we have more than enough foster families, um, I was like, that's what I want to be a part of. So just started kind of dabbling and getting involved. And even over the, the last five years since my brother's family first learned about the foster, it's maybe been six years now, foster care crisis, they went and got foster certified themselves. And they invited some friends and family to um, support them and partner with them, basically. They um, asked us if we would get um, CPR certified and turn in our background check stuff to the county that they live in so that we could partner with them. And we did that. And eventually my husband and I, we went to a foster care orientation and um, then we decided we should take the course and just see what step was, we didn't know what we would do personally. but we wanted to just at least take that next step. So we went ahead and took the foster care training course. Um, we didn't at the time have an empty bedroom in our house. Our older kids are um, they're now almost 22 and almost 20. And so they were still in high school at the time. And we're like, well, we don't have an empty bedroom, so we can't literally do foster care. But we partnered with my brother's family and just um, we were helpers to them, supporting them. And they ended up fostering a little guy. He was four months old when they mm-hmm. got him. And um, my husband and I both fell in love with him. And actually, they adopted him last year. Um, the journey went that his parental, the parental rights had been terminated. And so my brother's family adopted him. And I call him my favorite nephew because he's my only <laughs> nephew. But gosh, he's, he's special. Um, so we were involved in foster care. And that, 
even helped us see the need for more foster families. Um, and we weren't in a place ourselves at the time with an empty bedroom. So we were like, well, we want to be involved though. Um, which I think that is part of what collided then mm -hmm. with even starting to volunteer with America's Kids Belong. And then eventually when I was given the opportunity to be a part of the team um, here in Colorado, I was like, yes, please. It's basically my dream job. So I um, was super excited to do it. Um, yeah. And I also want to share, um, this is maybe jumping forward oh, a little fine. bit, but we didn't have an empty bedroom, like I said. And then a year ago, well, a little over a year ago now, um, our oldest moved out. He got a place of his own and moved out. And I right away was like, let's turn his bedroom into my office. We painted it. We got it all set up. It was my office for less than two months. And then um, <laughs> through my job, part of what we do is we um, do video shoots where we get kids that um, are waiting to be adopted. So kids that the parental rights have been terminated and there's nobody saying this child has been fostered in my home and I want to adopt them. Um, so the, and they're typically older kids, but sometimes it's little kids also. So they're waiting. Um, so we invite them to come to a video shoot and it was my very first video shoot that I was directing. And we had three kids that day. And one of the boys that was there, he was 14 and um, he just got my attention and like even, so he was wearing a Mickey Mouse t-shirt, 14 year old, almost six foot tall, big football player looking guy wearing a Mickey Mouse, Mickey Mouse shirt. This was almost a year ago, a year ago from this Sunday. Um, and I was like, hey, do you like Mickey Mouse? He was like, no, I just thought it was a cool shirt. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> That's okay. such a teenage boy thing to say. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and then when he was being interviewed and I was sitting there listening to him, I just, several things he said just caught my attention again, even that he said he was interested in becoming a mechanic when he grows up. My dad spent his whole adult life, his whole career being a mechanic, um, specifically a diesel mechanic. And I'm pretty sure that he's, this kid said he wanted to be a diesel mechanic. And then um, a couple other things he said, but I was sitting there next to his caseworker. And I remember literally saying to God in my head, like, am I supposed to be like, paying attention to him in a different way. What is this? And when I got home that night, um, told my husband about him and he was just kind of like, yeah, yeah. And then when the video was ready for me to edit, so about a week later, um, our videographer sent me the, he sent me the video to edit it and I showed it to my husband. He watched it once and he was like, hmm. And then he left the room and he watched it a few more times and he came back to me and he's like, I think you're right. I think he belongs in our family. Oh. I was like, uh, okay, what do we do now? So we um, started praying about it. And then we talked to a few people. I, I remember going to my brother's house and um, showing on my phone, showing my brother the, the first draft of the video. And my niece, who was 14 at the time, was in the other room, but she could hear it. And she hollered from the other room, I think that kid belongs in our family. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I was like, oh, my so we um, contacted the caseworker and said, what do we need to do um, to be considered as people to foster to adopt him? And one thing led to another and actually um, March 13th, so right before all the crazy shutdowns and everything here in Colorado, um, the caseworker came to our house and interviewed us and she needed to see that we actually had an empty bedroom mm -hmm. was part of what she needed to see. And um, then we started the paperwork Right, right as the pandemic was all unfolding and he moved into our house 
um, on Mother's Day in May of 2020. Oh my gosh. And then, um, yes. So um, this big 14, he was 14 when he moved in. He turned 15 um, last summer and we're adopting him next week. Oh my goodness. Um, He's my baby boy now. Yep. Kind of crazy. So that's incredible. And, you know, to think that it started off with, like, it may not have necessarily been on your heart, but it was enough on your heart where your brother reached out and said, hey, will you be part of our support team? And that's all it was. It was answering the call. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I think I can do that. I can help you out. You know, that might not be where I am right now. Um, And you had no idea. Oh, my gosh. Like, looking back... To have somebody in your yeah. house that you're adopting next week. I mean, you know, so I love that you said that, shared that story. Because for people that are listening, I mean, if you feel that that tug, that, that urge, you might not necessarily be where you're at in a place to and to allow somebody into your home, but you can still be that support system mm-hmm. for other people who might have that, right? And that's what Colorado Kids Belong is all mm-hmm. about, right? Is to really get that experience yeah. and to make that experience for everybody. But I wanna go back to you for people who are listening because you had also said something about um, these kids that are waiting, right? And and they're aging out. So what is usually, I mean, cause when people think of foster care too, I'm thinking people like me may have imagined um, an elementary school age kid or preschool or a baby or you know whatever it is right which um most people probably also want to get in on early because maybe you know with parenting skills or whatever they think okay well maybe I can kind of at least guide them you know and uh, I don't want a teenager or whatever right but what would be kind of like um the average age of these kids that you're talking about when you say you're worried about them waiting and aging out of the system. You know, obviously you can probably go up to 18, I would suppose, 17, 18. But what is that that spot where you're like, man, you know, if this kid doesn't get fostered pretty soon, you know, I'm a little more worried about them. Like, what's that age that people should know about? Yeah. So it's interesting. Um, pretty much all the kids that um, I know of are in foster homes, mm-hmm. just not homes that are planning to adopt them, which just thinking of that as a teenager to think like, sure, I have a roof over right. my head and people that care about me, but it's not long-term. Um, and an interesting thing that happens often is the way that some of the, the legal things are in the foster care world. Around the age of 15, a caseworker starts to ask a kid, would you prefer to age out of foster care or to say you want to be adopted? Like they start to ask them that, which partly breaks my heart. If I think of any 14, 15, 16 year old that has been in foster care for very long and they've been hurt and disappointed through the years, they don't trust Mm. people. I almost, I I always have this picture in my head of a kid just saying like flipping a caseworker off and being like, yeah, right. What have you guys Mm. done for me? Of course I want to age out. Um, Because, by that time, they're wanting to be independent anyways. Right. I mean, kids in safe, loving homes desire to be independent and look forward to that. So around that age, 14, 15, is when um, that process happens. Um, also, I think that I would put myself in this category of, I remember the first time my husband and I were talking about, um, like we were going to the foster care training class and stuff, and we were talking about if we were to foster, I said, I think that I would want to foster little kids because it just, it was kind of scary to me to think of fostering an older kid that has all their own opinions already and all of that. 
Um, but to think of a little a little one that you could cozy up with and um, love and affection mm-hmm. and not have to reason with them about all the things of curfews and whatnot. <laughs> um, so kind of my mind was there of thinking like it was a little bit scary to think of teenagers. Um, I think a lot of people are in that space of just thinking like, holy cow. So that's where those kids, especially boys over the age 10, mm-hmm. they um, if they don't already have somebody that they're connected to that will possibly adopt them, it, the, it's crazy the, the percentage of those boys that do end up just aging out of foster care then. Wow. Because people aren't ready to step up. So the kids that we've done in the last year for our video shoots, mm-hmm. I would say majority of them are 14 and older. Wow. I've had, I've had three little kids under 10 years old, but the rest of them have been teenagers. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So what was it about, um, and what is your soon to be son's name, right? Um, what, uh, well, you don't yeah. have to say his name. I'm sorry, but what was it about him that, you had that feeling, your husband had that feeling, your niece, you know, whatever, you know, what, what was that? What, what caught your eye? Because did you think that you were going to have a teenager, right? I mean, you had two kids that you were raising with your, with your husband, right? But working in this world, I mean, inevitably, I'm assuming that you probably thought, okay, like this is happening. Like I know it's happening because that's where my heart is. But did you know that you were going to um, be just so smitten by this teenager? And what was it about him? We were like basically empty nesters. Like our youngest had graduated high school. And I mean, she's still living at home, but was doing her own thing. And so we were kind of like, hmm, what's this next season of life look like for us, you know? And I just, so my husband is a total, he's a big guy, but a total teddy bear. He wears Mickey Mouse shirts and stuff like that all the time. So it's as silly as that specifically, that Mickey Mouse shirt just got my attention. Um, This big teenage boy that's like Mr. Macho, but he's wearing a Mickey Mouse shirt. I was like, hmm. And him talking about wanting to be um, a diesel mechanic. He also, when we, one of the questions we ask kids often is if you could have three wishes, what would they be? And one of the things he wished for was more people to trust. Mm. And I remember even when I was watching his video over and over, that just stood out to me to think, wow, he wants more people to trust. Mm. I grew up with too many people to trust almost. You know what I mean? Like an abundance of trustworthy people in my world. And he just wanted a few people to trust and that just got in my head. And then um, I think it was a couple of other things and even his his cadence, his tone, um, like I think that's part of what got my niece's attention even from the other room was he sounds like our older son, which people always laugh about how they they have kind of the same tone and they talk the same. And our older son is actually a diesel mechanic. He's doing an apprenticeship as a diesel mechanic. So just funny things like that, Mm -hmm. that just kind of all fit together. And I would say my husband and I, I'm, I'm more of a risk taker than my husband is. He would kind of live the, the simple (laughs) boring life. Um, but he married somebody that's a risk taker and so in that decision-making process even of like, okay, this kid caught our attention. We weren't looking mm-hmm. for a child to adopt, but he caught our attention. And I think I, I realized during that process that something my husband and I do um, when we have decisions is I toss something out there or he does, and then we kind of leave it and neither of us brings it up 
until it just comes up again, if that makes yeah. sense. I think because neither of us were wanting to like be the one that forced the other person to do something. Um, and I would say that's kind of what we did. We brought it up. We talked about it. Um, but we kind of also just left it there to see what would happen. But still pretty quickly, um, it came up again and we were like, well, let's ask the caseworker. And one thing just led to another. And it's crazy how you said the word smitten. And I would say I'm totally smitten for him. Like, I can't imagine my life without him. Um, he's my little buddy. Not little. He's a big kid. He's my buddy. And I think also it's funny because it's almost a year to the day. And so we've been reminiscing an adoption happening next week. Um, reminiscing about the last year and how much he's changed and how he feels different um, and all of that. And it's just been cute to see how he he even sees that being in one of his words he would describe was shortly after living with us that he felt peace that he hadn't felt before um his life i mean for most kids the reason they're in foster care is because of abuse or neglect or abandonment and he had lived 11 years in a very tough situation he's actually um, the oldest of a whole group of siblings um so he was parenting his siblings for years um and then even in foster care had sadly bounced around quite a bit um so just the fact that he feels stable and at peace Mm -hmm. is just beautiful and is is he perfect we were just laughing last night because i told him that i was going to do this podcast (laughs) and he's like what's it about i was like well my job but i'm going to talk about you too and and he said oh you can say whatever you want Mm -hmm. about me I was like, oh, I can. And we both laughed. And he said, yeah, you can tell him I brought drugs into your house, (laughs) which he did. (laughs) Like, it hasn't been easy. It hasn't been perfect. Um, But it's also been really good. And it's been this process. One of the things they teach in foster care training um, of how to parent kids that have been through a lot of trauma is to really focus on connection Mm -hmm. over correction. Wow. And that with him it's been it's come to life for me of sure when he does things when he breaks the rules or whatever if we um focus on correcting his behavior or his attitude or whatever um we're not gonna get to that place that needs healed but when we focus on connecting and yes we've still doled out some consequences and things over the months but um more than the consequences it's been like okay we need to sit down and talk like what's going on um and things that have just changed in his heart and in his mind um yeah there's so many it's hard to figure out the balance of some of the things i want to say but at the same time it's his story to tell um yeah and i love that too because it it is um, it's great that they teach that in um, foster care uh, training um uh, but it's Mm -hmm. for parenting as well you know focus on Mm -hmm. the connecting over the correcting and so thank you for that reminder with my two teenagers as well um so i love it so i wanted i do want to spend some time just kind of talking a little bit more about um colorado kids belong you know and i want Mm -hmm. for people that are listening i want you to kind of walk through the process of fostering for somebody that might want to go through that process. Mm. Um, and then we'll kind of delve in a little bit more with Colorado Kids Belong and how what you're doing to improve cool. the foster experience. But let's start with, you know, if somebody's interested, what would they do if they feel that tug mm-hmm. by listening yeah. to your story? Um, what's the first What's the first few yeah. steps, I guess? So um, 
The first step almost everywhere across the country is to go to an orientation. Um, here in Colorado, foster care is run county by county. So whatever county you live in, you would go um, find the orientation for that county. Um, so for example, for Larimer County, um, you'd get on the Larimer County foster care website and you'd sign up for an orientation. Um, I tell people that that's a great step to take even if you don't end up fostering, it at least kind of helps pull back the blinders and open up your eyes to the world of foster care. It's a one evening or sometimes morning thing. Um, and then from that step, the county will guide you on what step you take after that if you're gonna go ahead and do the training, which um, across Colorado is, is typically it's done in eight weeks, sometimes like one night a week for eight weeks. Um, some places they do where it's a little bit more, put all those hours into one weekend or something. Um, there are also private organizations that do licensing. So um, people can go to a private organization. There's Lutheran Family Services, Maple Star, Nightlight, Safi, like several different organizations across the state and across the country. Um, and it's a little bit of a similar process. They have some kind of next steps meeting or orientation or whatever they call it, um, information night. Um, and from there, then you do the training. And typically while you're doing the training, you also start the application process. So there's different levels and every county in Colorado does a little bit different, but you start the application process, which typically is a general application at the beginning. And then once you get matched with a caseworker, a, a home study worker, they um, start you down a path of what's called a home study, which partly is literally looking at your house. Like they literally make sure your house is safe. I like to tell people that typically the first time they look at your house, it's not gonna be to their standards, especially if you're gonna foster little kids because mm -hmm. you need baby yeah. gates and all the things. Um, but they just make sure that there's safety there. Um, for older kids, it's like making sure that there's locks on your alcohol cupboards and um, things like that. And then they also do part of that home study is a process of um, interviewing. If it's if it's a couple interviewing both people, um, they ask you these questions and your spouse or partner is answering the questions and then you answer questions about each other. It's a very interesting process. A friend of mine said, <laughs> this is funny, he said it felt like an emotional colonoscopy. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I was like, well, yeah, I mean, they get in there and they ask you, like, they ask you about your sex life, they ask about money, they, all kinds of stuff. Um, and I like to tell people it's not that they're trying to see if you're perfect, because none of us are perfect. Um, they want to see if the amount of stress in your life, if if you have marital stress or or stress outside with your parents or whatever or your job or your money if there's quite a bit of stress already going on placing a child that's been through trauma in your home is only going to make possibly everything spill over or mm -hmm. explode you know so it's not figuring out if you're perfect it's figuring out like do you have the capacity right now to add some extra stuff to your life that makes sense um yeah well, that's good to know. Yeah. And so, um, you know, going through the process, I know that Colorado Kids Belong really is focused on, on making this process better and a little more supportive. So talk about some of the projects that you do or some of the things that, that you do as an organization to make this process a lot easier for people. Yeah. Well, it's that interesting thing of we don't run the process really anywhere, but we point people, we wanna mm -hmm. make the music and tell people about the need and then point them in the right direction. Mm -hmm. But then also we know, like you talked about earlier, 
not everybody is in a place where they can foster. So also encouraging um, church groups or community groups to create support systems where they can be um, helpers and kind of a wraparound support mm -hmm. for foster families, um, which has been a really amazing thing to see when, sadly, there's a statistic nationwide that when people get foster certified, so they go through that whole process, which can take at least three months, often six months, to go through that whole process and get licensed as a foster parent. They go through that, they start fostering, and they quit within the first wow. year. 50% of people quit wow. within the first year. And we're like, okay, what's up with that? Like, we've got to change that. Um, partly, I personally see that it's almost like once people get past that year, because it's it's a little bit of a culture shock. All mm. of a sudden you have, you're parenting in a different way than you've parented before. You have a whole layer of people in your life as far as um, caseworkers, um, GALs, CASAs, all these people that are in your life because of the children that are in your life now. And it's this big learning curve and culture shock almost. Mm. So if we can get people past that year mark, I feel like they start to become a little bit more expert in the, in the field of knowing what all's going on. So we really want to get, help people get past that point and that they keep fostering. Um, so when we have these support systems in place, whether it be some counties have a foster family helper type of role mm -hmm. where literally through the county, you can get certified to be a helper. You're licensed then to be able to drive children places and all that kind of stuff or churches that are stepping mm -hmm. up and creating these teams. Um, there's a few churches that I know of that are doing an awesome job of creating teams of people that surround a foster parent, a foster family. Um, for example, there's a church in Longmont that they have four different foster families that they're supporting, and they have this team, these teams wrapped around those families, and one person on the team has volunteered to do laundry for people. Another person got licensed so that he, he's retired, and he was like, I want to help out, so I'm going to get certified enough certification so that I can drive kids. Because for foster families, that's, I mean, the pandemic changed some mm -hmm. things, but still there's typically appointments they have to go to, whether it be therapy or extra things at school or visitations with their bio family. Mm -hmm. There's all these appointments that they have to go to. So having somebody help out with driving, um, taking meals to families, even just that, especially when they get a new placement. A friend of mine just last weekend, she got a 10 day old baby placed in her house. Wow. Um, and her ten care. day, and he's on oxygen. Oh, wow. yeah, straight from the hospital. He went to the hospital to pick him up. He'd been in the NICU. He's on oxygen. He's a teeny tiny little oh, guy. Um, and for family and friends and people to just wrap around and bring her her food, mm -hmm. or I took her a box of clothing. There's a great little organization um, called Little Willows, and they provide <laughs> boxes of clothing for kids. Yeah, and. So just finding ways to um, support these families so that when they're they're stepping out there doing this huge thing and sacrificing their own time, their own comfort in their own mm -hmm. home, um, and just wrapping around and supporting them is a, is a big thing. And so that's one of our, our projects is helping people in the community find ways to, to get involved in that way. Mm -hmm. um, another project we have is actually for the kids that have aged out of foster care. Um, it's called Dream Makers. And we, through our DreamMakers program, um, we have a website where people, where these youth can request a dream. So some of them request a, a laptop computer for whatever they're doing for college or something like that, or others need a bicycle to get to work or a, a bus pass. 
Um, there's all different kinds of things. I think one kid asked for a kitten. <laughs> like there's all different kinds of things these kids are asking for. And then we post them on this Dream Makers Project website and people can go on that website and fulfill those dreams. Oh, so they can literally just pay that. for that. That's thing. exciting. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. And then we really hope though that through that, it's just kind of a door that helps us connect with those youth and that we want to really help walk them towards things that will not just be like a sweet dream, but like really elevate them and help empower them towards a healthy future, a strong future. So then we connect them with different programs in the in the area that do um, mentoring or job training mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So yeah. that's our Dream Makers project. And then, like I mentioned, we do the I Belong project also where we're filming the kids that need adopted. Um, and that's it's growing across the country. We have opened, I mean, during the crazy pandemic, we had several new states that have started doing the I Belong project oh, across wow. the country. So um, LA County, this next, within the next month, they're doing two big video shoots there. And they, I think she said between 60 and 100 kids that are coming to their video shoot, huge. Which the amount of kids waiting to be adopted in LA is huge. Oh my goodness! So it's it's going to be amazing to see how that changes things. Yeah. Just in that one huge county, what that will do. And it really yeah. is like what you said. Going back to your parenting tip, it, you know, it really is about the connection. You know, whether you're connecting yeah. um, a foster family to a wraparound team, right, or whether you're connecting mm -hmm. um, uh, these kids to their dreams or connecting, um, you know, kids to their future, right? Or, or mentoring programs. Um, so really it is about connecting and giving these kids everything that they really deserve, you know? And I think it's it's incredible. Um, do you have any stories or anything that might've touched your heart to continue down this path of just giving mm -hmm. of so much of yourself? Do you have anything that you can share? Oh goodness, all kinds of things. Um, a family that they have been fostering for probably close to two years now, and they have fostered several children. They have a large family themselves, a blended family, um, blended and biracial. And it's been amazing to watch them with all of their kids, um, also take in a lot of foster babies, foster toddlers, <laughs> like all different kids. And um, last year they got called by their caseworker and asked if they would take in a girl that was um, on our waiting kids list. She's been on the list for a while and she's, gosh, the hard stuff in her early childhood that has just given her some really big, big behaviors that are hard for people to deal with and um, some learning issues and things like that. And this family said yes when they were asked if they would take her in and it hasn't been easy, but I've been amazed to watch them mm -hmm. as they um, pretty quickly said, we want to be an adoptive option for her. Like even wow. before they had had much time with her, they just, their heart saying like, this child needs to belong and somebody needs to say yes to her. Somebody needs to be part of the solution for her. And um, it's, they've had some crazy stuff. Sometimes the foster mom has called me and she's like, I need to talk to somebody that gets it. Mm. Somebody that, she said, most of my friends would tell me, oh gosh, she's got too many problems. You need, she's gonna hurt your other kids or not hurt them, but like make things difficult for them. Um, you need to pass her on to somebody else. And she's like, but that's not our heart in it. And they have stuck it out through some hard stuff. And it's been really cool to see. And they actually just started this, the. Part of the process in adop adoption when you kind of officially submit to the court that you want to be adopting this child is called subsidy. 
And so they've started the subsidy process with the court. And I've just been so proud of them to see wow. that this girl that has been waiting for so long and that she's finding belonging in that family, it's been so special. Um, and even when it's not easy, I think that's part of it is people knowing that, yeah, it's, mm -hmm. I mean, even with our boy that he's super sweet and awesome in so many ways, but it's not perfect and easy. Mm -hmm. And we've had to make adjustments in our own parenting style and whatever. Um, but that's a pretty sweet story. Um, yeah. And then also, I this is not an exact story, but a lot of people talk about wanting to keep kids um, when sibling groups yeah. come into foster care. And I had mentioned that our son is the oldest of a sibling group. Um, and definitely we want to keep kids together when possible or when, when it's what's best. It's not always what's best because sometimes the trauma they have experienced can sometimes just affect um, the way that they relate with each other and stuff like that. But it's been really cool to see that uh, these foster parents and adoptive parents that do the hard work of keeping those kids connected. Like we we um, are, just last night I was texting with a group of moms that are mothering Nathan's siblings and um, that we're gonna get together in March and we're gonna go do something oh, fun, all of us. Awesome. We try monthly to get together so those kids get to spend time together and stuff. Um, so that's, it's pretty cool to see that even when it's not what's best for the child to necessarily be with their sibling, that we still keep the connection strong. Um, yeah, it's yeah. definitely a pretty sweet thing. Well, what, what is something that, um, for people again, that are listening that they're like, I want to be, or at least help out, you know, Colorado kids belong. What's mm -hmm. something, what kind of help do you need to help push the needle forward? What are some things that you're, that are some of your mm -hmm. asks? Yeah. Oh, there's so many different things, but um, <laughs> I kind of lately my word, I'm like, maybe I need to find a better word for this, but we want to make noise. We want to get, we want to be the megaphone that gets the message out there about the fact that there are kids that need um, to belong in a family, to be in a family and to feel secure in that and that it, we can all be a part of that solution. Mm -hmm. So often I think, gosh, if we just through social media and all the different platforms, um, link arms together and be that megaphone that, that spreads that message. That would be a huge thing for us is if people follow us on social media um, and spread the word, that would be big. Um, also just inquiring about taking a, a step. What step is it that, that they can take mm -hmm. um, as far as maybe just going to an orientation and seeing what happens. Um, or often it's interesting if people whether it's in a church or community group, a school, whatever, there's probably foster or adoptive families right in people's own circles. So finding out who those people are mm -hmm. and just reaching out to them, um, doing some sweet little encouraging things for them, or maybe even growing to where your your relationship with them is even more supportive on a regular basis. Um, that's huge. So spreading the word, I feel like, is one of the things that will move the needle forward big time for us. One of our goals this year is to make some more videos that aren't child specific videos because there's some laws in place in Colorado mm -hmm. that we can't spread those videos out on, on social media and stuff very much. Um, but we're gonna make videos that are telling stories of, of families that have adopted or families that foster, all the different pieces. And gosh, if people just get on there once we get those going, um, we have one that's already in, in being edited and then one that's being filmed this weekend so when we get those out there, if people start using those to spread the word, that would be amazing for sure. 
And we're always looking for people to partner with us um, as investors also. We kind of think of it as there's five different roles to play. Um, one would be that people step up and become healers themselves. They become foster parents. They step into that role of being a healing home for children. The next would be to be a helper, which we've talked about, how to support a family that's fostering. Um, the next would be to be a volunteer. Um, there's various ways to get involved in volunteering. Um, here in Colorado, I'm working towards getting a good system for volunteers. Sometimes it's helping out at our I Belong Project video shoots. Other times, um, just making phone calls to encourage foster parents, stuff like that. And then the fourth thing would be to um, become an investor. So partnering with us financially to help move things forward. It costs us money to make videos and all these different things. Um, and then the other would be a, to be a change maker. So there are people out there that have, like yourself, a platform to spread a message and to find people that can be change makers and just really um, spread the message and inspire people to get involved. Wow, you've just um, explained so much and I'm so grateful that we got to connect and meet and just learn a lot about the process and how you and Colorado Kids belong. I mean, it's the perfect, like you said, it's the dream job of yours and I can see why. I mean, you're so passionate, mm -hmm. so loving. Um, you know what obstacles you have, but you're still gonna tackle them, right? Mm -hmm. And being able to explain how people can um, help out in any way they can, right? There's, you just gave five great mm -hmm. examples and I love that you were able to do that for people to kind of sort themselves out and help out where they can. I mean, that's the biggest thing, right? And I think that that's just learning so, about so many people like on this podcast platform, getting to meet people like you who have stepped up um, in that area of your life. Um, it, it's pretty incredible. So thank you so much for educating the audience, educating people who are listening in um, and, you know, helping me use this platform to get the word out as well. Um, so I always love to ask one last question too, because I just think that there's so much wisdom out there. And so I would love for you to share with my listeners, you know, what, what kinds of steps or tips, what would you say to, what advice would you say to people if they said, well, how do I make this world a better place? Like, what would you say to them? Oh, gosh, there's so many things. Um, but something that has stuck with me through the years, it's super simple, super duper simple. But I remember when I was a little girl and my mom would always tell me this phrase, and it seriously has stuck with me into my adult years. Um, she would say, Tracy, when you go into a room, whether it's your classroom at school, um, a big room full of people, wherever it is, you need to walk into that room thinking about how you make people feel instead of how they make you feel. And just that alone of walking into a space wanting to help make people feel good or encouraged or inspired, um, not worrying about, it's so easy to kind of get our eyes focused on ourselves and concerned about, oh my gosh, do they think I'm ugly? Do they think I'm pretty? Do they think I'm cool? What do they think about me? Like not worrying about how people are gonna make me feel, but me thinking about how am I gonna make people feel. Um, that that, I think over the years has just helped me um, have more confidence that's partly because I'm not concerned about whether <laughs> people think I'm cool or not. Um, I just, I wanna step into a room and encourage and inspire people um, or at least smile at people. So I think that's pretty simple, but pretty big thing. It is definitely a big thing. And I think that you exemplify that, especially in your life, because as you were watching that video with, you know, your soon to be son forever, 
you know, that that's what you were thinking. It had nothing to do with you. Yeah. It had everything to do with those words of, I just want people, I want a few more people to be able to trust. And you're like, uh, yeah, I could be that person, right? And so that is exactly, you know, what you're living. Um, so Tracy, thank you so, so, so much for this time um, to be able to learn a lot more about who you are, you know, what you're doing with Colorado Kids Belong and what you're providing. And even, you know, taking that step to make this world a better place for just one more person um, in your life that yeah. you've brought in. So I appreciate you so much and I applaud you. And thank you so, so, so much for being here. Thank you so much. This was great. Thank you so much for tuning in to Connecting a Better World. And thank you, NOCO FM, for supporting this show. If you connected to something in this episode, we would love to hear from you. Our contact info will be listed in the show notes, as well as you can reach us on our social media channels. Please feel free to share our podcast with your friends and loved ones. For more shows, please tune in to noco.fm online. This is Loudspeaker.